0: Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash happier. That's 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash happier.
1: Hello, and welcome to Happier, where we discuss cutting edge science, the wisdom of the ages, and our own experiences about how to be happier. This week, we'll talk about why you should have a password strategy and also about the danger of rewards when it comes to forming habits. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft, whom I call my sister, the Sage, because she's always dropping bits of wisdom for me to collect.
0: That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretch, I am almost done with this pilot I've been working on. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, just like two more days uh, and then I will be done. So I'm, I'm very excited.
1: I, I'm excited for you because it has been a long intense journey.
0: It has. And then in the next couple of weeks, we'll find out if it goes to series. So wish me luck. Yes. Wish um, all of my team luck.
1: Yes, you need your lucky charm.
0: I know I, 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 I got to start wearing my wedding ring every day, I guess. Because <laughs> remember, I said that's my lucky yes. charm. I'm not wearing it right now, I have to admit. Um, anyway, so Gretch, tell me about these live Facebook videos you're doing all the time now.
1: Yeah, no, I'm really excited about this. I've done it for a couple of weeks without talking about it on the podcast to sort of get my, get, get, get it underway. Um, but the plan is going to be every Tuesday at 1 PM Eastern standard time. And I, that might have to move sli- slightly, week to week, but basically um, once a week, I'm going to do a Facebook live video live for my apartment. It's been for my dining room so far, but I may move, <laughs> um, where I'm going to talk about the podcast podcast. So this is a, a chance. You know, Elizabeth, we get so much engagement and so many great ideas and some we can talk about here, um, but some yeah. some we just can't. And, uh, and then people want to talk about things, you know, from episode 23 or episode 35 or whatever. So it's a chance for anybody to, you know, talk about the most recent episode, a back episode, questions, comments, suggestions. Um, and so if you have questions, comments, ideas. Um, it's great to share there, join the conversation. And again, it's just on my Facebook page, which is Gretchen Rubin. And if you like it or share it too, that's great. Um, and it's I've done uh, two or three so far, and it has been so much fun just to have, to be able to engage with readers about the stuff that we talk about on the podcast.
0: Yeah, I think I actually saw one live the other day, um, just by chance. So I, I got to sort of check it out myself. Yeah. It's- Tons of fun,
1: Um, and then also, if you want to watch it later, you can. It will be on my Facebook page. It's just, it's there. Sort of obviously, you can't like add a comment that I could respond to live. um, But if you want to read other people's suggestions or ideas, or you just want to see, you know, check it out, it's all there on Facebook. Uh, You know, it's it's just part of the the archive there.
0: And then, Gretchen, we had a question from Bill about Barnaby. He said, um, so, Gretchen, you asked your followers to help you sort out whether to get a dog or not. Now, after eight months and some admitted joy and affection toward Barnaby, what would you tell someone in your place who was also debating the same decision? What have you learned? It seems uh, worth some commentary. So um, he's right. We have to get an update on how you feel now uh, in the meta sense about getting a dog.
1: right. Well, in episode 24, I posed the question to readers, you know, should I get a dog? And then in episode 27, uh, yes, spoiler alert, I did get a dog. Um, Mm -hmm. So to Bill, I would say um, all the research, all the happiness research predicted that we would be made much happier by having a dog. Relationships are important. Novelty and challenge is important. Dogs make people happier. Like, that's what all of the research said. It even gets us outside more. Um, and indeed, we have had so much fun with Barnaby. Now, has he thrown up in the house? Yes. Has he (laughs) pooped all over the house? Yes, he has. Did did he take a little bit longer than we expected housebreaking? Yes, he did. Does it require (laughs) a lot of trips to the vet and like, oh, we're going out of town and we forgot about Barnaby. Who's, you know, what are we going to do with him? Uh, Oh, we got to go to Petco and buy another harness because he outgrew it because he's he is the biggest cockapoo that anyone has ever seen. They're like, (laughs) I didn't know they got that big. like, yes. I know,
0: he is big. He's so cute though. Oh my gosh. But he's a
1: lot bigger dog then than uh, we thought. Like when we got a crate, they're like, this is, a, you, you don't, you're you never going to need another crate. He won't outgrow this. I mean, like he busted out of that thing. Um, oh, wow! But what surprised me, so I was, I thought it would be a lot of work and it is a lot of work. I thought it would make us happier and it has made us happier. But the thing that surprised me is I really expected how much my daughters would love having a dog because they were begging for a dog and, and they have been just like ecstatic but I was surprised by how much Jamie liked having a dog and how much my mother-in-law loves us having a dog. They grew up with cats, Mm -hmm. and I think they didn't really see themselves as dog people, and Jamie loves Barnaby so much. It's, oh, the, it's so nice. sweet, and my mother in law like she bought him like a little mat that says Barnaby for his like dog cool. food bowl, and um, she bought him a hoodie with his name, which he does not like. Um, <laughs> it's like <laughs> a tight sweater with a hood that goes over his ears. It's very New York. Yeah, <laughs> we we put him in it from time to time as a photo op, but he does not like the hoodie. But she loves him, and they do live. My my in laws live right around the corner from us, so she gets to see him all the time. So I have to say. I thought he would make us happier and he did make us happier, but I'm surprised how much for certain people there was a much bigger happiness boost than I had thought. So that was that's what I would say about having a dog. Great. Yes. So now try this at home, Elizabeth. Now, this try this at home was inspired by episode 61 where we posted the question from Emily about, um, who was asking how do you keep track of online passwords, which you described as the problem of our time. (laughs) And we have been flooded with responses from listeners.
0: Yeah, it has been just nonstop uh, (laughs) ideas about uh, how to deal with keeping track of passwords. And essentially the bottom line is everyone needs to have a strategy. And many different strategies can work, but you have to have a strategy. Yes. And you can't just use the same password over (laughs) and over again. That is apparently not what one should do.
1: Yeah. And I think, Elizabeth, what you and I realized is that neither one of us had a strategy of any kind. Um, No. So now we're going to highlight because we got so many ideas for strategies from listeners, but we want to like make a caveat, which is we are not vouching. And I don't think anybody would ever look to us for any expertise (laughs) (laughs) in like, you know, the cutting edge of like tech thinking. We're not vouching for these strategies. We're just saying this is what people have said works for them in terms of having a strategy that has kept them sane in dealing with online passwords.
0: Yeah, this is about keeping track of passwords, not about whether or not the actual passwords generated are good passwords. Yeah. Gretch, one advantage of having a strategy is that someone close to you can know your passwords if they need to get into some account. Uh, Danielle pointed out a problem. She said, Because I do the finances in the house, I am in charge of all the passwords for basically everything. We joked somewhat morbidly that if I died tomorrow, my husband would be in trouble. Our solution to this was to write down all the passwords and put it in our firebox that we have in our house that stores all our other important documents. Now, that's a great idea. I mean, I don't know any of, I can guess some of Adam's passwords, but I don't know what they are and he doesn't know mine for sure.
1: Right. Right. And we should do this even with accounts, you know, like all the different accounts, because some of we're anyway, that's a whole different problem, which is making sure that everybody in the household has the information they need. Um, so that's a trouble for another <laughs> day. <laughs> Now, it turns out some people use really old school strategies. Um, like David has a card file. Um, it's just literally a card file with three by five index cards and dividers and puts on, just writes out the information for the site, the blog, or the business in alphabetical order.
0: And then Stacy actually bought an address book with tabs for each letter of the alphabet. And she lists her passwords in, you know, under the company name in that address book. So she always knows where to find it.
1: Yeah. Um, Now, a lot of people had ideas related to having a formula that you used over and over that you would adapt to a different site that would be very unique to you so um, no one could guess it, but then you would be able to kind of remember what you would have picked because there's a logic to it. And so, uh, like, Kara had this thing, uh, and she's a software developer, so that's good. (laughs) It says, uh, what do you do? Use full sentences as passwords, but use only the first letter of each word and meaningful punctuation and symbols. So she had, like as, a, as an example, behind door number two is a blue hippopotamus, exclamation point. And that's BD number sign two... I A B H exclamation point, and she points out that this is easier to remember, um, and uh, and the and the letters look random, so they're more secure. And several people had different versions of this. Of you know, uh, someone suggested using the days are long, but the years are short, and you use wow. the first letter, and then maybe you have something like you use the first letter of A M for Amazon, P A for PayPal. Um, But anyway, people had a lot of different versions of this. Uh, One is like use your old phone number or an old mailbox number plus some, you know, exclamation point for first and last letter of the site. There there were many different iterations of this. Um, Samantha, Ida, Catherine, Laura, Caitlin, Diana, Lauren, all gave different versions of it. But it boils down to this idea of have some kind of logic to something that generates a random collection of letters. And symbols that make sense to you so that you can figure it out later what, what it would have been.
0: Uh, yeah, so there are a lot of tech solutions to this, Gretch, as you can imagine. Uh, Laurel makes the point, nobody will be able to remember enough strong passwords to be useful, system or no. Just too much to ask and too fragile a solution. Equally important is the fact that they should never be written down, Never. I love how Laurel has such a strong point of
1: view on this. Yes. And so this is saying, no matter what your system is, you just can't do a good enough job with something that you have to remember. And many, 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 many listeners advocated for a tech solution. And there were several that came up again and again. Uh, First, LastPass. Someone said, LastPass is a great tool for managing passwords. You just need to know uh, one password and it manages the rest. But uh, LastPass had a vote from Ali, Madhu, Denise, Gregory, Sarah, Judy, Danielle, Sharon, Alicia from Alabama, Catherine, Jennifer, Marcus, Kim, and other people weighed in for that.
0: And then we have the suggestion of an app called 1Password.
1: That's number 1Password. Yeah. And then we had uh, Lauren weighed in for PassPack, Sarita, Taryn, Larissa from Toronto, Alicia, Pam weighed in for Keeper. Um, Chris, Danielle, Andy from Minnesota and Nebraska for Dashlane,
0: and then the other one a uh, few people weighed in on is called M Secure. That was Tanu, Robin, and Rebecca recommended that. And then somebody else recommended um, if you're an Apple user, a product called Keychain, uh, and then you can store your passwords in. And then it says even if you share the computer with other people, it's secure. Um, because you need the administrator password for the computer to open Keychain. So anyway, this is (laughs) all very technical. Yes. Uh, But the point is, there's an app for everything. And there, it sounds like, are several apps that people find to be incredibly useful in terms of keeping track of their passwords. So basically you just need to remember the one master password for your app and then everything else is inside of that.
1: Yeah, you have one ring to rule them all. And all of these are paid apps and and, and over and over people said, it's totally money well spent because it makes my life so much easier. Um, to do it. And also it generates truly random passwords so those are much more secure and uh, and then you can also with both of them do like bank account numbers. Like anything that you need to keep secure you can keep inside there. So that does seem to be something that people find to be very useful.
0: And so Gretsch, I have to ask, have you signed up for one of these apps or have you developed a system? Like what what's going on with your password usage?
1: Okay, so this is I did something very typical of me. So I signed up for one for password because I'd heard so many great things about it. And um and then but like I do this thing over and over. Okay, demerit coming up. Um, where like I get there and then I just sort of like flail around and I don't really understand how to use it and then I become very frustrated and I don't want to use it anymore. So I got in there and it was like I don't really understand. Like it keeps like I don't understand what these these categories are and then there's all these language that I don't know what it is, and mm-hmm. um, and I should have just taken And in fact, somebody said like it takes a little time to get used to it and then it's really wonderful. But I also didn't have a site that I needed to sign up for right away. I think that's what I need to do is just like to open some random account, like it's some store (laughs) and just so I can go through it. But it was like, I couldn't. uh, So I'm excited about it um, and I'm hopeful, but I have to say I haven't yet kind of cracked. I haven't experienced the euphoria that I am hoping that I will experience when I can let go of all my password anxiety. I did pick my one ring to rule them all password. Um, so I, I did that so I won't much. <laughs> ask you, I won't ask you what it is. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> How about you, Elizabeth? Um, are, I,
1: are you inspired?
0: N- well, I'm it's inspired in theory. I haven't actually followed through on, through on even looking at any of the apps. Um, I think I'm going to follow one of these old school methods and sort of do the, uh, you know, password that I always have plus the company name and take that route. Because I don't think, I don't see myself going the app route. I really don't.
1: Well, listen, I think one of the things you and I are both experiencing is this is one of these issues where... It's important, but it's not urgent. And so it's you just like let it slide, let it slide, and kind of have this low-grade sense of uneasiness until something happens where it blows up and you're really, really <laughs> upset that you didn't have a kind of more yeah. like take-charge type solution.
0: Yeah, and you know, Gretch, some apps, I know on the iPhone, you can actually use your thumbprint. Yeah. Let's just hope in the future we don't have to have passwords at all and we can all just use our thumbprints.
1: <laughs> yes. Or like Retina Display, yes.
0: So thank you uh, to our listeners for giving us all of these amazing responses about passwords. We did not know that we were um, starting such a huge conversation when we <laughs> brought this up, but clearly it's something that everyone
1: thinks a lot about.
0: Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Okay. So this week, our better than before habit strategy is the strategy of rewards.
0: Yeah. And Gretchen, we've touched on this before in episode 46 and way back in episode nine, but this is one of your key uh, 21 habit strategies.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so there are twenty one strategies that we can use to make a break or habit, as I write about in my book, Better Than Before. Um, and this is the strategy of reward. And this, I have to say, is a super tricky, dangerous strategy. I think it's one of the most it may be the most misused of all the strategies. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, people often think that they should reward themselves if they're doing something to create a habit. But in fact, this is a super, super bad idea.
0: And why? Because you talk a lot about treats, which I think a lot of people think would be like a reward, but
1: you, but it's not. Right. So yeah, that's a super important distinction. So there's the strategy of treats and the strategy of reward. So treats are great for good habits. When you give yourself a treat though, it's just something that you want because you want it. You don't have to deserve it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to justify it. You just are giving yourself a treat. And that's good because that increases your self-mastery. When we give more to ourselves, we can ask more from ourselves. And so if you're giving yourself a little treat like, oh, I love doing a crossword puzzle. So I'm just going to take 10 minutes and do a crossword puzzle. And that's going to make me feel sort of energized and cared for. Then it's going to be easier for me to like get myself to go to the gym or to eat something healthy for lunch. A reward is different. A reward is like, because of this, I deserve that. You've earned it. You deserve it. You justify it. And that's the part that really interferes with habits. Um, A reward is a good way maybe to get yourself to do something, Mm. but it's not good for forming habits.
0: Right. So it's like if you finish applying to all of the colleges you have to apply for, that's a good time for a reward because it's like a one-time thing.
1: Right. But but a lot of times what happens is people, um, they want to reward themselves for something that really they want to do on a habit. And like look at it. Do you reward yourself for wearing your seatbelt? Do you reward yourself for brushing your teeth? You don't, because you don't consider that exceptional. You don't deserve a gold star for that. It's just part of your your everyday life. And 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 a couple of bad things happen when you reward yourself for a habit. One is Mm -hmm. it requires a decision and the advantage mm-hmm. of habits is they don't require decisions you're not deciding whether to brush your teeth you're just doing it and so if you're not you're not deciding whether to go to the gym on on friday you just go because on friday that's when you go to inform or whatever and if you just, if you reward it then you get into this mode like well did did I earn my reward? Like, well, I would have gone to the gym, except I hurt my foot. So I think I should get my reward anyway, because I would have gone to the gym. (laughs) You know, people start getting into this Mm -hmm. um, loophole thing. Especially
0: as you've brought up many times in terms of exercise, the reward can undo what you've done, like eating a scone after taking a walk. Yes. Undoes the, in some ways, what you did during the walk.
1: Yeah. No, people often pick perverse rewards. Like, Um, I've been so good about sticking to my budget, I'm going to like take myself out for an expensive dinner. You're like, that's not It's like the opposite um, of what you're trying to accomplish. Um, And then the other thing that's really bad about a reward is that a reward tells you that the reason that I'm doing this is because I want the reward. You know, it's something that you're doing for another reason. And, and so, well, if I'm running in order to get the scone, then I wouldn't otherwise be running. It's teaching you that running is something that's somehow an imposition or somehow a deprivation that has to be made good. Like you have to somehow be brought back into balance. Whereas really what you want the reward for a good habit to be is the good habit. You know, like the reward for going running is you've gone running. The reward for going to yoga is yoga. The reward for eating healthfully is like you're eating healthfully. Uh, Rewards can really undermine that process. Um, so listen, is there a place where you've rewarded yourself for doing, for doing something? Uh, well, you know, I
0: was thinking I, re- I, uh, a lot of times when we record the podcast, mm-hmm. I do reward myself afterwards with a latte from the Starbucks on the Disney lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't normally drink lattes, um, but it's not really a re- reward for actually doing the podcast cuz that's just fun it's a reward for getting here at 7:30 uh-huh. in the morning
1: <laughs> to record but but see now i think that that's actually good um because the fact is so you you don't want to have lattes all the time right so you're some you're, you this is this is sub- exceptional right yes right so this is what I would call a self-limiting reward or a self-limiting treat, which is that there, you've set it up in a way so that it can't spiral out of control. Like you can't, you're not going to record extra podcasts just to get a latte. Right. Um, and this reminds right. me of the guy who would buy himself a Cinnabon every time he was in the Newark airport. And the fact is it made it more fun to be in the Newark airport and he's not going to go out of his way to go to the Newark airport just to get a Cinnabon. Right. Whereas if you're like if you're like I get a Cinnabon every time like I walk down this one particular street in my in my neighborhood, well you could be doing that you know every single day, um so it's self limiting if it's tied to something that you're not going to do more of, um and so I think in that way it can it can work really well and also you're not rewarding yourself it's something that you're going to do anyway because there's so much infrastructure around the idea that you're going to do it. So having a reward isn't going to interfere with it. Whereas if it was something like, I'm going to get up early and work on my YA novel, and then I get a latte. Well, then it's like, well, what if I couldn't get up early and work on my novel because I had to take Jack to school early? Should I get my latte anyway? You know, it's like, I think that's when rewards are less helpful because they get you into this feeling of like, well, it's such a burden. Of course, I have to give myself some treat or I wouldn't otherwise do it. It distracts you from the fact that you intrinsically Want to do something, and it makes you get into this decision making mode, which interferes with the, the automaticity that's so helpful with habits.
0: Well, and you know, I remember, Gretch, when we were growing up, mom and dad were adamantly opposed to rewarding good grades. Yeah, yeah, they felt you should just get good grades, and they weren't, you know, deserving of a reward. Yes. Because um, a lot of people would get paid a certain amount for A's and another amount for B's and all this. Um, so that's always stuck with me as like, you should just get good grades. Having said that, of course, I use rewards with Jack all the time, Pro- you know, for various, not grades yet, but various things. And I probably shouldn't. But
1: here's the thing that's funny about rewards and, and child rearing it matters less if it's a reward, if it's something that a person is going to continue anyway. For instance, potty training. You can be sure that your child will continue Mm. to go to the potty even when you stop handing out the M&Ms every time there's like a successful visit there. Because guess what? You know, that's not the same thing as like you get a reward every time you um, make your bed. Uh. Because someone doesn't have to make their bed, but they're going to have to go to the bathroom. And so the reward, you can extinguish the reward without extinguishing the behavior because the behavior is going to continue. But, but the one kind of reward that can work um, is one that takes you deeper into the habit. So, like, if, you're, if you start, let's say you decide you're going to start, um, uh, like, going running every day, then you might say, well, I need a new pair of running shoes because I've run through my old running shoes. Well, that's a logical thing. Or you might say, if your child um, does a lot of reading, you wouldn't want to say, like, oh, for every book that you read this summer, I'm going to give you, um, like, I, I'm going to let you spend $5 at the candy store. Um, You would say like, oh, because you're reading so many books, we'll get to go to the bookstore and you can pick out more books to read. Or we're going to make an extra trip to the library so that you have more books because the reward for reading is more reading. The reward for exercise is more exercise. The reward for, you know, cooking is more cooking. It's not like the reward for exercising is chocolate cake. Right. Which is what people (laughs) people often do. Or the reward for reading is money. It's like, no, um, the reward for reading is more reading. Um,
0: well, I want to hear, I think people have deep feelings about rewards and I think people are not going to want to give up their rewards. Um, so I'm very curious to hear from our listeners about how they view rewards in their life.
1: Yeah. Oh, and something that a couple of people have asked for is, um, and I'll put this in the show notes and this is episode 63, um, I have a, it's called the checklist for habit change, and it lists all 21 habit strategies on one page. And so like, if you're trying to form a habit, like I want to, you know, exer- you know run every morning or I want to, you know, read for a half an hour every day or whatever it is, you can put it at the top and then it helps you go through and figure out all the strategies that you would apply. Um, so I'll just, that's something that I have on my site if people want it. So just FYI, if you're trying to use the various strategies... <laughs> so my, the last thing I'd say about rewards is rewards actually turns out to be a very complicated area of human psychology. In some situations, they're great, but it turns out that when if you're trying to form a habit, they are very undermining to habit formation. So if what you're trying to do is form a habit, be very, very cautious uh, when you're thinking about rewards. Um, and we love hearing uh, questions from listeners, and you can leave us a voicemail question at 774-277-9336, or more mnemonically, 77-HAPPY-336. You can also send us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. We do love hearing people's voices, so... Um all things being equal, send us a voicemail. But uh, this week, I think we have an email, right, Elizabeth?
0: Yes. um, The email came from Carmen, but it's a question from nine-year-old Isabel. So here (laughs) it is. Uh, Carmen says, I discovered your podcast a few weeks ago while driving to DC with my nine-year-old daughter, Isabel. While sitting in traffic, we started listening to happier podcasts starting on episode one. Then I, we binge listen for the next many, many hours and days. Well, that's nice. She likes to listen to you while swinging alone in the backyard. She said she finds your voice to be relaxing and comforting. Isabel would like to ask, what tips do you have for being happier while taking tests? So Gretsch, this is a great question because everyone has to take tests growing up and it's pretty miserable.
1: It is. And I just have to say like how I am so thrilled to have a, like an enthusiastic nine-year-old dedicated listener. Like how great is that? I know. It's <laughs> awesome. I, I love Isabel. And she's, and she's raising a question that is important for people for many, many years. Um, in fact, it's a little... It's a little uh, sad that a nine-year-old is already thinking about like how to take oh, no. tests happily. Um, but um, I, we, you know, we, but we, we kind of touched on this before a little bit in episode fifty-nine when we talked about Lucky Charms. We got a, because um, uh, one person sent in um, uh, a recommendation which I thought was really great um, about test taking, which was because we also talked about how for like a sensitive child you might not want them to have a physical object that they might feel uncomfortable. Uneasy if they didn't actually have it, and that could be uh, become stressful. And this listener suggested to strike a Superman pose. It's kind of a lucky gesture, and that you know the idea of like that that your body, the way your body is moving, affects your mind. And a Superman pose puts you in kind of like a superhero frame of mind. So maybe that's a good idea about how to feel good about taking tests. Is like strike your your you know Wonder Woman pose um, before you sit down. That, that could be that could be a fun thing to do.
0: Yeah. And I think the best way to be happy while you take a test uh, is to study for the test. I mean, if you're prepared, a test can actually be enjoyable because you get to show off your knowledge it's when you're not prepared that a test is really a struggle to get through right I mean it yeah. sounds
1: obvious but it's like that no, it makes a huge difference if you know yourself in fact Jamie who I think went through a period of not being very as prepared as he should have been in college his he has constant nightmares like you know a lot of people have like the nightmare that they have over and over throughout their life yes his is not being prepared for a test like walking like walking in there knowing that he hasn't studied and it's just a horrible helpless regretful feeling um, and you're right but when you've studied um, even then even if you can't do it then you're like well at least I studied as much as I could you don't you don't you're not angry at yourself and it can be kind of fun if you're like just banging them out um, yeah yeah um, but here's another thing that's interesting and I think I think I talked about this on our live episode and um, there's a really interesting book by Kelly McGonigal called The Upside of Stress, and she emphasizes that sometimes people feel anxious about the fact that they're feeling stressed and that they feel mm-hmm. like there's something wrong and they have to manage it away. And she said, you should really embrace stress in certain situations and say, and instead of saying, I shouldn't feel stressed or I shouldn't feel nervous about this test, you should say, I feel pumped or, you know, I feel excited. Um, and, and and reminding yourself, like, this feeling that I have um, is going to help me Want to study? It's going to help me stay focused. It's going to help me concentrate because it's my body trying to help me um, do a great job with this task. And so, if you feel anxious going into a test, you're like, "This is my body trying to get me to sit down and study because it's reminding mm-hmm. me this is going to be, you know, a, cho- a, a challenge." And then when you feel like when you're sitting down with it, if you feel that sense of uneasiness, be like, "This is my body trying to help me focus and prepare and do my best job." And I'm feeling pumped and excited, not I'm feeling like you know, flooded with stress.
0: And I know, Gretchen, one last thought uh, is Henry mentioned to us, our producer, (laughs) that he had a teacher who would... Put like a far side cartoon (laughs) on the test to sort of break the tension, which I thought was a great idea from uh, a teacher perspective.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like in a, I I had a teacher who would, in in language tests, they would be like very silly phrases and things like that, just so that when you were doing your translation and whatever, you just kind of have a smile on your face because it was so silly. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, just, just to kind of break the break the tension. So Isabel, thank you for that excellent question. And thank you for listening regularly. We love having our single digit listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, time for demerits and gold stars. Elizabeth, you are up with a demerit.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh, Grutch. This is actually an embarrassing demerit, I mm. have to say. Mm. Um, okay, Jack's birthday was December 16th. So mm-hmm. that's many months ago at this point. And we had a birthday party. Um, I may have talked about it here. We had like <laughs> 30 kids. <laughs> And we have not written thank you notes for any of his gifts. Well, actually, I started writing the thank you notes, you know, and having him sign them. Um, But I haven't even sent the ones that I wrote because I didn't have stamps. Hmm. So now so many months have gone by. I feel like it's just too late and I'm just really embarrassed.
1: Okay. Can I push back on you on your demerit? Sure. Sure. I want to, I want to contest this demerit. So first of all, I will I will I will uh, introduce this by saying that I do not make my children write thank you notes. And in fact, I, and I wrote about this somewhere and I, I was in, being introduced in front of like a, an audience of people. And as part of one of like the fun facts, they were like, but shockingly, Gretchen Rubin does not make her children write thank you notes as if this is like this terrible truth that's been revealed about me. So that is the terrible truth. I do not make my children write thank you notes. So, so that I'm coming from that perspective. Cause I okay. feel like life is too short and some things have to go like, my motto is i want to cram my life with the things that i love and that are important to me and that just there's just not time for that but i will say this i looked it up and according ah. to emily post who is like the etiquette guru she says you should send a written note any time you received a gift and the giver wasn't there to be thanked in person now those 30 people were there how many people did you thank in person for the gift that they gave to jack all of them
0: well no, well, but we didn't open them there. See, that's where it gets sticky. They, you know, they bring the gift and they put it on a gift table. And so, yes, technically, I guess you say, you know, you're. it's not like you're saying, oh, thank you for this gift. It's well, just sort of a
1: pile of gifts. Okay, well, that's a good point.
0: I will say what one person did uh a birthday party I went to was, she just wrote an email, sort of saying, Hey, after the party, saying, Everyone, thank you so much for coming to the party. Thank you for all of the amazing gifts. You know, we're so grateful, but the truth is, we just don't have time to write individual thank you notes. So we're doing this instead. Um, and maybe that's what I should have done, but I felt like most people, I mean, the overwhelming majority, Write individual thank you notes.
1: Well, I have to say, like, do you feel any different when somebody writes you a thank you note like that? For like, well, you it's bought nice
0: a- to get a thank you note. You know, I I'm always like, oh, that's nice. Say, you know, he likes his lightsaber. You know, see, um, I just
1: I feel like I'm like, oh, I wish that poor person had like used that time for something more enjoyable than writing me a thank you note. But I'm I'm like, well, kind I of-
0: agree with you there. When I <laughs> give someone a present, like I don't think anyone should have to write a thank you note for baby gifts because that to me is like the whole point is that they're going to be exhausted you know and and drained the last thing they need to do is write a thank you no
1: and i think there should be a social change where the expectation is that people with new babies do not write thank you notes because that just clearly it's like the last thing that they should be doing um now i have to say though that i am like on the extreme with the th- with like the handwritten note thing. Some people are so deeply touched and love it and think it's like this incredibly like important way of engagement. And to me, it just, I just as soon have an email.
0: Yeah, my nieces, Adam's uh, nieces, they write great thank you notes. The whole family really writes something personal and they like, they really are great about it. And I mean... I'm always very appreciative of it and it's nice just oh here you know just to hear from them in that way and I always of course feel very guilty because I'm like oh my gosh we have not written a thank you note (laughs) Um, and it's like this thing that just like this cloud over my head walking around Um, because it's not just Jack's birthday I mean there's many other occasions in which I have failed to write thank you notes.
1: I wonder if this is one of those situations where you really have to step back and think about, well, what are my values? What are my personal values? Because I'm like, my personal value is that my life is too busy with stuff that I feel like is more important than writing handwritten thank you notes, so I'm not doing it. It's not a high value for me. But another person could decide this is a high value to me, and so it's really worth it. But it's like it sounds like you're kind of caught between, on the one hand... Valuing it, honestly valuing it, and then also not being able to do it practically. And so maybe there is that middle ground, like sending the email, which is definitely not a handwritten thing, you know, but on the other hand, it's not nothing. Um, right. It's yeah. not. I but wish it,
0: I had done that in retrospect. I wish I had done that. Maybe, maybe that's what I'll do next year. And instead, now my strategy is just to like, you know, kind of randomly say to various moms, like, I'm so sorry. I never wrote a thank you note for Jack's gift. I just, it got away from me. And by the way, everyone completely understands that. Like everyone is, you know, very understanding of
1: everyone else's
0: things falling through the cracks. And
1: then you're apologizing for it. Right. Oh shoot! You stop That's apologizing. right. We talked about not apologizing. Yeah. yeah so can. maybe
0: I'll just let it go. I'll chalk <laughs> this one up to could have done better next time. I'll I'll do yeah. better. Jamie's lying. We've all done, done it. it. We've all done it. Yeah. Like uh, um,
1: I feel like such the bad person, like uh, weighing in against the thank you note. But there it is. I have. Oh to- yeah.
0: We're gonna hear about this. <laughs> do not think that you are not gonna hear from people who are like this is basic human decency, Gretchen <laughs> like yeah. just because you don't think it's important <laughs> doesn't mean that you know centuries of people writing yes. thank you notes yes. needs to be ignored but yes anyway it'll be interesting to hear what people think about it and, and how um, many people just want
1: to use their stationery because i love stationery it's like and if you don't write thank you notes you never get to use your stationery but anyway yes that is true yeah yeah um
0: okay well what's your gold star this week okay
1: my gold star is I use the strategy of scheduling to get myself to do something I really did not want to do. Okay, so I have this quiz, which I've talked about here, um, to tell people whether they're uh, which of the four tendencies they belong to. And like, I don't know, more than 300,000 people have taken this quiz. And if you want to take the quiz, you can go to happiercast.com slash quiz, and you can find out if you're an upholder, a questioner, an obliger, or a rebel. Now... What you may not know is that this quiz has gone through a couple of iterations because it's really, really hard to design questions that can, people can kind of universally identify with to be able to answer. And also that will split the four tendencies into four separate categories because all the tendencies overlap. So it's really tricky. So I've been refining it and refining it. So I'm working with this amazing guy and um he was, and, and like we, I had asked him a question. He emailed me back and he said, like, uh, just like, you know, give me a shout whenever you want to talk about it, which is super great and flexible on his point. But like, mm-hmm. for me, I hate thinking about this. It's like, it's all like statistics and understanding Excel and cross tabs, and I don't understand Week. it. And it makes my head hurt. And so I would delay and delay and delay. And for me, the thing that can be done at any time is done at no time. And the fact uh. that he said, call me whenever I was just like day after day would go by. And I'd be like oh, I only have two hours and I'm a little bit hungry. So I don't want to call him <laughs> on an empty stomach because I'll be cranky. Right. So like I better, you know. And so finally I was like, I need to put it on the schedule. I need to like, and so I said to him like on a like, Sunday night, I was like, can I call you Monday at 11? I mean, Wednesday at 11. So it was like three days later. So I gave myself a little <laughs> mental cushion too. I'm like, i it's coming up. Um, And he was like, sure, fine. I'm open then. Um, But because it was on my calendar, like call 11 o'clock. I did it. And of course the call Whoa. was like, 10 minutes long. It was totally fine. Now I have a bunch of other stuff I have to do, which I now have to make sure that I don't delay All on. Right. But I was just happy that I finally applied what I know to be true, which is if something's on the calendar, it's much more likely to get done. and not so gold star I, yes. to you yes, I gave and a gold to st- your system. No, I gave a gold star to myself, yes. I gave a gold star to myself for applying what I know perfectly well. Um, Cobbler's children often go on shod, but in this case, I did manage to use Hmm. my own strategies on myself with great success, so gold star for me. (laughs) Ha ha. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home have a password strategy and we are
0: ready to hear it we want to know what you all think about thank you notes and (laughs) Gretchen's insistence that they're not necessary and my just um, dereliction in the whole thing thank you to our producer Henry Malofsky who I'm sure does send thank you notes Also, thank you to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin and I'm at Elizabeth Kraft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com.
1: If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us. Uh, And as always, uh, you can sign up for my newsletter by sending a text message to 66866 and in the message box, just writing happier. You'll get a text back right away that will ask you for your email address. Enter your email address, and then you'll be signed up for my monthly newsletter. And I have highlights from the blog, the podcast, the Facebook live video, a lot of different stuff there. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us Onward and Upward. Gretchen, I know from my
0: own experience that baby making is not always simple. There is a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And when you want to conceive, there can be a lack of understanding and resources. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from reproductive health to uh, ovulation tracking to
1: conception aid.